If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals. Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. What's up, everybody? This is Stephen A. Smith, host of the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast. Tune in every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday at the very least as I bring you all new episodes that feature the biggest headlines in the world of sports, pop culture, business, and I answer your phone calls and respond to your tweets. You'll hear my unfiltered opinions and straight-shooter interviews with top celebrities and game changers. All that and more. So listen to the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcast. A warmer from Hello, welcome to Lovely Las Vegas. For Jessica Soups with myself, Craig Eats and now part of the Beast and Family Podcast. And got a great podcast for you. It's in the second segment. I am going to be giving you guys everything that we wound up seeing in college basketball on Saturday off the court because, well, we are now down to one game, two teams alive for a title. I wound up being on VSIN towards the end of the Duke versus North Carolina game doing some hosting there. So hard to have a guest on to talk about a national title game that we had no idea who the teams were going to be. This has to be up by midnight Pacific time. So we're going to give you guys a little bit of a roundup as to some of the offseason news that we're seeing in the second segment here in the first segment. Going to be recapping what we wound up seeing in the final four games on Saturday. And then in the final segment, going to give you guys my early picks and analysis for this national title game as we wind up hitting some bank shots. I'll be going through it once again tomorrow as well. So have no fear there. We've got you guys covered with regards to the final game of the season. And once the Nets wind up getting cut down, have no fear because this podcast, it is going to be continuing all throughout the offseason because bets are won this time of year. Being able to gauge all these teams, it begins in the offseason with the transfer portal. Trust me, Kansas, they know all too well about this with the way that Remy Martin has been able to play for them. So I do think that it is very important to take a look at these teams and bets are won this time of year. They are won through great preparation. So I am a firm believer in that. And if you ever have a question, comment, segment idea, what I have you for this podcast, you've got one or two ways to be able to fire those in. First one is my Twitter timeline at GUnit underscore 81. Keep in mind, letters EM, they mean does not matter. So as per usual, please send these into the timeline and the other ways find an Apple podcast review. If you rate this podcast five stars, it is very much appreciated. From there, you're able to find whatever you'd like to hear on this podcast via that five-star review. We did not wind up really getting in any questions other than how in the world did we wind up seeing the three-point shooting performance that we did in Kansas versus Villanova. So let's take a look back at what we wound up getting in these final four games and how we've got the national title game that we do between a pair of blue bloods. A game from yesterday is Greg buzzing about. Here is the rowdy recap. Villanova actually shot it well from three-point range against Kansas, but they just were unable to claw themselves out of a hole. Kansas, they wind up getting up 10-0 early Villanova, a team that you could tell that they were really looking to grind this game out. They wound up getting sped up, and Colin Gillespie did his best. 5 of 8 from 3-point range. He had 17 points. Brandon Slater, 16 points. 
Four of seven from three, but Villanova goes down 81-65 to 65 as Kansas wound up having Oshay Ogbaji look like a player of the year candidate, which he is. He winds up going six of seven from three, point range 21 points. And then how about the duel of Jalen Wilson and David McCormick? 36 points, 21 rebounds between these two. When these two are playing that well down low, this team is darn near unstoppable. You wind up having Kansas win the rebound battle by kind of 35 to 28, and Kansas really did a good job of being able to take care of the ball as well. Just eight turnovers for them. To the credit of Villanova, they wound up only having nine turnovers of their own, so Kansas didn't necessarily force a bunch of turnovers in this game as well, but Kansas, very well-balanced play here. Christian Brown was able to give you 10 points. He chipped in their five assists as Kansas as a whole, 18 assists on their 29 made buckets. Just a really good performance from them as you obviously wind up getting the over in Kansas being a four to four and a half point favorite regardless of the number that you wind up taking. Got there very easily. And then in the nightcap, it was a little bit more of a sweat on the over, but it does wind up getting there in Duke, North Carolina and North Carolina gets the job done. The, I believe now fourth ever eight seed to wind up making the national title game. 81 to 77, the final Caleb Love with about a minute left winds up burying a massive three. He wound up having 28 points in this game. And Armando Baycott, you do have a little bit of concern because he did wind up suffering an injury with about four or so minutes remaining in this game. But 21 rebounds, 11 points. He did wind up returning to the game after it looked like he had a little bit of a scare with his knee. And for Coach K, it is the final game they ever coach as Duke. They've let themselves down at the free throw line in this game. 12 of 20 at the charity stripe. North Carolina, 17 of 24. And for Duke, just 5 of 22 from three-point range as well. Paul Boncaro, 20 points, 10 rebounds. Certainly did his part. And Trevor Keels off the bench was really good in this game as well. 19 points, but the guy that had really been able to step up throughout the tournament, Jeremy Roach, he wound up having 8 points, 6 rebounds, 5 assists, but did that on 11 shots. So he was on SC2 efficient. A.J. Griffin, a guy that was really a North Carolina killer towards the early part of the season. Just 6 points in this contest as well. And for North Carolina, gotta mention the fact that Leaky Black, he didn't wind up having a lot of scoring in this game, but 8 points, 9 boards, 2 assists, wound up playing a big role along with Brady Manic being able to bury some shots in the second half. So the title game is now set. You've got North Carolina versus Kansas. I wound up being on the air for the back half of that North Carolina versus Duke game. So no guests going to be had tonight. We're going to have someone join me to break down this game tomorrow. So instead, in the second segment, we're going to take a look at the news and notes that we wound up getting in college basketball. We've seen a little bit with regards to the transfer portal. We've got only one game left here in the college basketball season. So it is that time to start taking a look at next Next season, and we'll be taking a look at a little bit of movement next right here on Coast Coast Hoops with myself, Craig Gibbs Peterson, now part of the DC Family Podcast. And we're back here in lovely Las Vegas for Coast Coast Hoops with myself, Craig Gibbs Peterson, now part of the DC Family Podcast. Here in segment number two, we're just taking a look at everything that wound up happening away from the court on Saturday. Didn't wind up having too many rambunctious moves, but with that said, it is a little bit more time to get set for next season because we are down to just one game, and I'm going to call it what it is. If you're handicapping this game for like eight hours, you're just spending a little bit too much time. This is a case for me in which, hey, is relatively in the barn in the final segment. I'm going to give you guys exactly what I'm taking a look at for the national championship on Monday as we had some bank shots. I'll be going through it once again on the podcast tomorrow. 
as well with regards to my handicap of the national title game because obviously it's a little bit of a big deal but with that said we're getting prepared for next season and some of the names that are going to be making an impact next season some of these guys wind up entering into the transfer portal Titus Verhoeven, he was someone that was one of the top rebounders at UTEP this last year. He decided that he is going to be transferring away from the program, and I think that this is someone that is going to be able to do a relatively solid job with the right fit. He wound up never really being able to find his, I guess you'd call it footing, when it came to UTEP. Someone who has some very good size, a little bit of versatility at six foot nine, was able to give the team 6.5 points, 4.5 boards per game, did improve his free throw shooting percentage, but was never really a true fit while he was over there at UTEP while he was playing for Duquesne during the 2017-18 season was a guy that was able to give the team two and a half blocks for contest. UTEP being a team that they like to pressure a little bit more because now they have been taken over by Joe Golding. I didn't think that that was necessarily the world's greatest fit, so he decided you know what, he's going to be entering in the transfer portal, and I do think that there is going to be a little bit of a want for his services. There was one for Zeb Jackson as well, someone who just really didn't see a lot of playing time for Michigan according to 24-7 Sports in the class of 2020. Was he 96th overall Raider recruit, and he has decided that he is going to be going to VCU. Someone who plays relatively solid defense at the very least. That was the read on him coming out of high school. A top 15 shooting guard in the class of 2020. I think that he's going to be a very good fit with a VCU team that is in need of a little bit more just outside shooting in general. A team that may always do a good job of being reined in on defense. A little bit undersized, but with that said, a guy that is able to have some very good quickness. Someone who does a very solid job of being able to stay in front of his man as well. So I do think that Zeb Jackson going over to VCU from Michigan. This is going to be able to help them out. Trey Jackson should be a lot about Western Carolina as well. Western Carolina a team that they just wanted to play no defense at all last season. And Iowa State, well, they played a lot of defense this year with Mr. Jackson. He was able to put up right around four points per contest, shot 35.5% from three-point range, was just really buried on the bench this last season while he was at Iowa State during his freshman year, 2019-20 season. They wind up seeing 12 starts in that campaign. A guy that in his first two years on campus was averaging more around five points per contest, so capable of being a relatively solid scorer. I don't know if he's going to necessarily be able to do what we wind up seeing out of Mason Faulkner a few seasons ago, but I do think that he's going to be able to come in and he's going to be able to make a little bit of an impact. If he winds up going down to a little bit of a lower level, I think that Omar Payne could be able to do so as well. Began his career at Florida this last year, wound up playing at Illinois and just didn't wind up seeing a lot of run in general this last year at Illinois. Seven and a half minutes per contest, 1.8 points, 1.7 rebounds per game. His first two years on campus at Florida, averaged 3.8 points per contest in both of those seasons, averaged a little bit over a block per contest. So he has shown that at a Power 5 conference, he is able to be a little bit of a role player, someone who's able to be halfway solid. I don't think that he's ever going to be a guy that is going to be a complete and under dominator, but certainly if he winds up going to a Power 5 team, he's able to be a guy that could be a good contributor. If he goes down a level, he's really a guy that could be an all-conference sort of player. Landers and I, the second, has also decided that he is going to be entering into the transfer portal. Guy that wanted to give you 10 points, 4 boards, 3 assists per contest. Began his career at Virginia Tech. Turnovers have always been a little bit of a woe for him, but really did a good job of being rated in towards back half of the season. In the American Athletic Conference tournament games along with the NCAA tournament games, three turnovers or fewer in every one of them. And you take a look at it, he wound up having more than three turnovers in just one game after Valentine's Day. So in the final 11 games of the season, he had three turnovers or fewer in 10 of them. That is a very good sign. So got to figure that there's going to be a little bit of a want for his services. And 
little bit surprised that this gentleman is going to be going down to a lower level as well, as you've got Tijon Sawyer, who wasn't necessarily like a rambunctious player while he was at Cal Baptist or anything like that, but someone that was able to put up a few numbers for this team, right around four points, two and a half rebounds per game. Guy that from three-point range just was never really able to find his footing shot 18% this season, but someone who's a little bit of a plus defender at six foot eight, he has decided that he is going to be going down to Cal State San Bernardino. We're going to see a lot of these during the offseason, and these are very easy for your handicapping because all you need to do is know, all right, this player, in this case, it's Mr. Sawyer, has decided that he is going to be going down to the non-D1 level. You just cross him off your list of guys that you need to evaluate, and boom, you are done. So that makes things nice and easy there. We did wind up seeing Mike Saunders, who was playing at Cincinnati this last season. He has decided that he is going to be going to Utah. This is going to be a relatively solid get for the Utes, a guy that was able to average 7.5 points per game this last season while he was at Cincinnati, and... To use the Bill Belichick joke, he is on from Cincinnati. Someone who was able to put up right around two assists per contest. Not a great three-point shooter, but at 36%, you know what, was able to get the job done there. I think that he's going to be able to come in, probably going to be facilitating some offense for a Utah team that they don't generate a lot of turnovers, but at the same time, they're relatively efficient. So I think that he's going to be a solid fit with them. Tanner Olden, he has decided that he is going to be playing for the Ohio State University. Wright State is right out there in the Midwest, and this is going to be massive for Ohio State. Got to figure that he's probably not going to be duplicating the numbers that he wanted. Getting at Wright State this last year where he averaged 20 points, 7 rebounds, 2.5 assists on 34% three-point shooting. And as a freshman, why is that Wright State? Wound up shooting 42.5% from three-point range. But we've seen Ohio State be able to utilize some of these transfers very solidly. You wound up seeing... Seth Towns, coupled with Justice Suing, does not be able to get out there on the floor in general. You got to figure that if these guys are able to come back and be healthy, that that would be absolutely massive for them because this is a team that they've done a good job of being able to hit the portal in recent years. Problem has been a lot of these guys have been quite banged up. This is something that I don't think should come as a shock to really anyone. You've got Julian Champetti, who's going to be entering into the NBA draft. Someone who many people project to be a draft pick this season. He's been on campus for quite a few years for the St. John's Bunch. And really one of the best, I guess you'd call ball-dominant players in all of college basketball the last few years. 19 points, 6.5 rebounds, 2 assists per game. Wound up shooting 34% from 3 power inches last year. 2020-21 season, shot 88.5% free throw line, 38% from three-point range, was able to give you a block, two steals per game. Guy is an absolute stat sheet, suffer at six foot eight. No doubt going to be a loss for a St. John's team that many of us were thinking was going to be able to take the next step forward. That just did not wind up being the case for them. So that is a little bit of an issue if you're sticking out there in the Big East as well. We did wind up seeing another player decide to transfer out of the Big East as well in Jaden Taylor was actually a solid player this last year at Butler. Was able to give Butler 8 points, 3 rebounds per game. Not necessarily a great 3-point shooter. Only shooting about 30% from 3-point range. But you take a look at Taylor and down the stretch, he just did not wind up getting a lot of minutes. You take a look at it from January 20th on and he just wound up becoming a little bit of an afterthought. And I'm not necessarily sure why. He wound up having, I believe, out of his last 16 games, only 4 games of 10 points or more. 
six points per contest was what he was averaging down the stretch, shooting about 30% from three-point range. Now, lack of minutes, you got to figure, wound up playing a big role in him deciding, you know what, I'm going to be transferring out. This is a case in which I don't think that this is much of a surprise either in Deron Sebron. He has decided that he is going to be entering into the NBA draft now. He is going to be maintaining his eligibility and for NC State, they did wind up losing Manny Bates early on in the process as well, so it is an NC State team that they are going to be needing to pick up the pieces quite a bit from last season, but a guy that in the ACC was able to put up big numbers for a team that just didn't put a lot around him. 17 points, 8 boards, 3 assists, one and a half seals per contest. Now the big bugaboo with him is that he wound up shooting 25 and a half percent from three point range, but a six foot seven, do a little bit of everything sort of player. If he winds up deciding that he doesn't like what he's hearing from the NBA draft, if he winds up entering into the transfer portal, he is going to be very, very coveted. So I'm going to be very intrigued to see what winds up happening with the case of Mr. Sebron. And then one piece of coaching news is that it appears as though David Patrick, who is serving as an Oklahoma assistant this last season, it appears as though he is going to be going to Sacramento State. And this is big for a Sacramento State team that they wound up having an interim coaching regime this last season. And David Patrick was actually a very solid coach when he was at UC Riverside. He wound up coaching them during the 2018-19 and 2019-20 season. Really laid the groundwork for what Mike McPail has been able to do the last few seasons during those two seasons. Wound up going a combined 27-38, and 38, which that doesn't necessarily sound rambunctious, but you take a look at what UC Riverside had done in previous seasons. This was a program that legitimately was perhaps facing either going down a level or having their basketball program taken away in general because before David Patrick wanted coming in, Dennis Curtis was the head coach of this team. He wanted to combine 51-87 and 87 in five years with this program. Jim Woolrich was the coach before them, and in his career, you see Riverside, and he was a man that wanted coaching at Kansas State, by the way. He went 70-112, and 112, and things had just gotten worse and worse as he had been there. So David Patrick really did breathe quite a bit of life into that UC Riverside program, wanted playing a very defense-oriented style. Sacramento State, they always have been a little bit more of a slow team, so this is a very good hire for them. So that's what we wind up seeing just in terms of offseason college basketball news and notes on Saturday. Just wound up doing a guest-free segment because well, with the final four, we had no idea who was going to be playing in the national title game. I was on the air during the final four game between UNC and Duke, so wound up giving you guys just a little bit of what we wound up seeing in college basketball on Saturday as a result. Now let's take a look forward to the national championship game that we're going to be getting on Monday. My early picks and analysis for the big one coming up next as we hit some bank shots right here on Coast Coast Soups with myself, Greg Pearson, now part of the Decent Family Podcast. Las Vegas for Coast to Coast Soups with myself, Greg Hoops and a guest-free podcast today just with the way that things wound up shaking out doing a 7 to 10 p.m. Pacific time show for VSIN, not knowing who was going to be playing in the title game. It would have been bad to try to do a segment on Kansas versus Duke when Duke does not wind up making the national title game. So wound up just leaving this one guest free. But now we do have that matchup of North Carolina versus Kansas. So let's take a look at everything that we've got for this game. Picks and analysis on the side and total as we hit some bank shots. Most financial establishments close at a certain time, but not here. It is time for a side and total on every game on today's betting board bank shots. 
If there are any changes that are made to this game, it will be listed up on my Twitter feed at JRSCORD1. Really, the only thing that I could wind up swaying this is if you wind up having, like, Armando Baycott have something lingering with regards to the injury that he suffered late in that game against Duke. I don't think that that's going to be the case, but that's really the only way you'd really be getting a move on this game as we've got some 21, some 22, Kansas and North Carolina for the national title. Total is anywhere between 153 and 153.5. Most places have Kansas as a four-point favorite. They opened up a four-and-a-half point favorite. We've seen a spattering now of four and four-and-a-half, so we've seen a little bit of movement here on Kansas, and I do think that it is the right move. I do wind up saying Kansas as a five-point favorite. Got to respect the way that the defense has been playing. 65 points or fewer allowed in eight out of their last nine games. Entering into that final four game against Villanova in their last 14 games, they had a lot of opponents to shoot 27.2% from three-point range in. What I think is going to be big in this game is that North Carolina just doesn't have a lot of depth in general. The two free throws that Puff Johnson wanted making while Baycott was dealing with this little bit of an injury towards back half of this game, those were the only two points that North Carolina wanted getting off their bench in this game. Now, Leaky Black has become a relatively solid player for North Carolina. A little bit of a Swiss Army knife guy. Five points, four and a half boards, right around three assists per game. So I actually do like what he's able to bring to the table. North Carolina team that may have shot for the year right around 36% for three along with Kansas, but Kansas doing a good job of being able to guard the arc North Carolina. Meanwhile, they're outside the top 175 with that regard. And with Kansas, you do have Christian Brown, who I think is good to be very versatile in this game and very important. 14 and a half points, six and a half boards, three assists, a steal, and a block per contest. And then Oshay Obaji. What more can be said about him? He winds up pairing each out of his first six three-pointers in that game against Villanova. Has been a little bit of a hit-or-miss guy, but whenever he's been off, you've got Remy Martin to be able to pick him up. Remy Martin has been a little bit more pedestrian in these last two games, but wound up having a progressing point total in eight straight games prior to the Elite Eight. Now, R.J. Davis on the flip side for North Carolina is terrific. He and Caleb Love overall for the year averaging right around 29 points, 3.7 assists per game apiece. Both shoot right around 37% from three, and I think it's going to be very key what you wind up getting out of Brady Manic in this game as well. A guy that had a very rough first half against Duke, picked it up in the second half. Overall for the season, 15 points, six boards, bearing about 40% of his threes, but I think that Jalen Wilson is going to be able to match up very well with him. Wilson has some good versatility, a guy that's able to give you 11 points, seven half boards, and really since late January, the last 23 games of the season, Wilson's been averaging more like 13 and a half points, eight boards, and right around a steal per contest. A guy that shoots threes right around a 31% clip since the beginning of the month of January, so not necessarily the world's greatest, but at the same time has been halfway decent there, and David McCormick getting into monster mode has been big for this team as well. Six foot ten, two fifty. He wound up having a great year during the 2020-21 season. Wound up having a really rough go of it towards the beginning of part of this season, but 25-9 and nine against Villanova. If he's able to play that way, he's not going to win the battle against Armando Baycott, who's been able to give the team a combined 43 rebounds of the last two games. It's absolutely insane, but he'll be able to hold at bay, and that's really all that Kansas needs, because even someone like a Dewan Harris, who's been able to give you four assists per contest, he's really been able to step up here in the NCAA tournament. A guy that's able to bury a few threes for this team. I like what I've been seeing out of him. You've got Mitch Lightfoot, who's able to give you a few minutes. I think that that's going to be a difference for Kansas. The fact that they're able to give you a couple different looks. North Carolina, they're really tethered to their five-man rotation. Puff Johnson occasionally gives you a few minutes, but that's about it. You wound up having that injury to Dawson Garcia, and if he'd be out there in the full for North Carolina, I think that they would actually have a little bit of a shot in this game, but I do think that with North Carolina's inability to be able to force turnovers in a road and neutral court environment, they force opponents into a turnover on just 12% of their possessions. The only team 
team that has been forcing teams into fewer turnovers on a per possession basis in road and neutral court environments. That'd be the Citadel. That is going to be a little bit tough for them. I'll have a little bit more on this game tomorrow as well, but I made Kansas a five-point favorite. I'm willing to lay it here. Also set my total at a 149, so I'm looking at an under as well, and that will wrap things up for the Sunday edition of Coast to Coast Soups, now part of the VEASAN family of podcasts. If you do like what you're hearing from this fine podcast, Coast to Coast Soups, you're able to subscribe wherever you hear podcasts, Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Spotify, Stitcher, and TuneIn. If you've got a question, comment, segment, idea, what have you for this podcast, we've got one or two ways to be able to throw those in. First one is my Twitter timeline at GUnit underscore 81. Keep in mind, letters here. They mean does not matter, so as per usual, please just send these into the timeline and the other ways via an Apple Podcast review. If you rate this podcast five stars, it is very much appreciated. From there, you're able to fire whatever you'd like to hear on this podcast via that five star review. Coming at you guys every single day throughout the regular season and during the offseason as well. As you heard in the last segment, the transfer portal is very hot and heavy. And one other thing as well that I'll throw in before I sign off DK Nation pick still a little bit to be determined, determining whether it's going to be the under or Kansas. So I will have that figured out in the AM and I'll be dishing that out to you guys tomorrow. And I will be coming at you guys once again tomorrow. Thank you so much for tuning in. 